Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our review of SLED agent Rachel Wen's testimony and began our look at the direct examination of SLED forensic DNA expert, Agent Sarah Zapata. In this installment, we continue our review of the testimony of Agent Zapata. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It is the morning of February 13th, 2023, day 14 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, under the direct examination of Prosecutor Savannah Goud, SLED agent Sarah Zapata told the jury how DNA analysis works, explaining that the analyst compares data derived from two DNA samples and then arrives at a degree of likelihood that the profile of one particular individual's DNA matches or contributes to the profile of another DNA sample. As we begin this installment, Prosecutor Goud continues her questioning of the witness by asking Agent Zapata to elaborate on this analytic process. So what are some results that you can obtain from your comparisons you make? A result in support of the first scenario, which is that the person being compared to the profile is contributing to the profile, the seesaw will tilt in that direction and we call that an inclusion. If it is tilting far enough in the other direction, we call that an exclusion. It's saying that the person being compared is not a contributor to the profile under those two scenarios that are being compared. It's possible for the seesaw to just tilt a little bit in either direction if the DNA in the profile Um, is very low level or very partial. There's just not that much information there to make the comparison, and so it's not tilting um, in one way or the other very strongly. It is also possible if it's very partial, very low level information for the seesaw to just not move at all. It's saying that um, neither explanation is a better explanation for the DNA profile, and we'll call that um, uninformative. And do you set up um, propositions the same way for each comparison to an item? Yes. So first we will say if the item is suitable for comparison, then we will say the number of contributors that we are interpreting that profile as, and then we will set up those two scenarios each time. Um, In the cases of items that are being taken off of someone's body or swabs from their body, we'll call that an intimate item. And so we want to account for the presence of the individual whose body the item was taken off of in that profile. Because it's being removed from their body, we're expecting that profile to be there. And so um, we can do that in two ways. We'll look at the DNA profile. If there 
DNA is clearly present in the profile, we will assume them as a contributor. And what that does is put that person on both sides of the seesaw. And so we're only making comparisons now to the DNA that is not that person who we already know is there. It's like someone telling you, I know there are two cups of flour in grandma's cookie recipe. So now you're just adjusting the other potential ingredients to see what else is making up that recipe. If their DNA profile is maybe more partial or low level, then we'll run the statistic for that individual first to make sure that it meets our threshold to put them on both sides of the seesaw, and we'll call that a conditioned contributor. It treats it the same way once we've run that standard um, comparison. And so the propositions will list any individual that has been assumed or conditioned on as a contributor, and then it will have the two opposing scenarios for the other individuals that are being compared to the profile, and then finally the result of that comparison. So if you had my shirt for testing, you would assume my DNA was on this shirt because you knew I was wearing the shirt. Right. I would look at your profile first and visually compare that to the item of evidence. If you are clearly um, contributing to the mixture, then I will assume you. If maybe you are a lower level contributor, but it looks like your DNA profile could be there, then in order to confirm that, I will run your statistic first and then continue on with you on both sides of the seesaw. All right, and now are there some times where you are unable to make comparisons to specific individuals? Um, yes, like we mentioned earlier, if um, there are individuals that are related and maybe the DNA profile that we're comparing them to is lower level or there's just not a lot of information there for a lower level contributor, um, we can't distinguish between them and so we won't make comparisons in those cases to those individuals. Okay. And I guess before we get started, just kind of going back to DNA in general, um, what are alleles? So alleles are the results of our testing um, at a specific location. Like I explained earlier, the final step of the laboratory portion of our analysis is the separation of the DNA into a profile, and the separation is what generates those allele results. All right. Well, sometimes our DNA samples, you mentioned lower or higher levels of DNA there. Mm -hmm. Would that affect the alleles that are there. Yes, so the alleles are the actual result that we're looking at, the DNA profile that we're looking at. Um, we are evaluating the profile based upon the heights of those alleles, so the higher the allele, the potential greater contribution of that individual's DNA. The lower level the allele, the less um, DNA potentially from that individual in that profile. And if you only have a few alleles to look at, is that very informative in your analysis? No. The fewer number of alleles that you have to make comparisons, um, the less informative the statistic is going to be. So that's where we have it in that range where it's not tilting greatly in one direction over the other. It's kind of like trying to identify something based off of an eyewitness description. If it's very vague, like it was a red sedan, there are many red sedans that could fit that description. Um, so that would be an example of having few alleles. But if you have a more specific description, like it was a red sedan with five bumper stickers and a bedazzled license plate, that's very specific. And so you're, you have more information to make your comparison to that vehicle. Unrelated 
people share the same alleles. Yes. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Prosecutor Savannah Goud continues her direct examination of Agent Zapata, setting the stage for her analysis of the evidence in the Murdoch case. All right, so before we get to the results, some of these statistical results are very large numbers. Is that right? Yes. Prosecutor Goud hands the witness two documents. Um, do you think these two charts here, states exhibit... <clears throat> 475 and 474 um, would help demonstrate to the jury what we're talking about. Yes. All right. Uh, did you receive a number of vote um, swaps analyzed in this case? Yes, I did. Um, do you remember how many buckle swabs the man received? I believe there were 24 buckle swabs total that I used for comparison. Maybe 25? Um, there was one that I received, but I did not perform analysis on. Maybe that's the one that you're counting. We'll have you take a look at states 463. Gad then hands Agent Zapata an evidence bag. You recognize that buckle swab? Yes. And who is that a buckle swab from? It's labeled as buckle swabs from Nolan Tootin. There's um, our laboratory case number and item number on the packaging. And you perform analysis on this buckle swab? Yes. You compared standards from these buckle swabs to swabs from items of evidence, or how, what do we do to analyze all this stuff? So first we do our interpretation of the evidence. Um, we look at the evidence like I described earlier, make sure that it's suitable for comparison, determine the number of contributors to the item, and then um, if it's an intimate item, we'll make that visual comparison to the individual who's uh, body that item came from first. Then we will use StarMix to calculate the statistics for other individuals for comparison, and then um, it'll be a result in support of one proposition over the other. And the other individuals for comparison would be um, any number of the individuals whose vocal swabs were submitted in this case? Yes. All right, I'm going to have you take a look at State's Exhibit 459. Prosecutor Goud hands the witness another small evidence bag. Take the 459, an item that you analyzed. 459 are our laboratory items 7.1 and 10.1. And what, can you tell us what that actually is? Um, 7.1 was the MBAC collection from cartridge cases 2 through 7, and 10.1 were the swabs from the exterior of items 9 and 10, which were um, shotgun shells. And you performed analysis on both of those items? Yes, I did. Can you tell us um, the results of your analysis on the MBAC collection from the um, 300 blackout cases? And I guess instead of just blanketly asking for the results, I'll ask, um, based on the comparisons you made when analyzing 
that item were any individuals included? Yes, for item 7.1, the DNA profile was interpreted as single source. And for the comparison to Margaret Murdoch, the two scenarios were Margaret Murdoch contributed the DNA profile versus an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed the DNA profile. And the result of that comparison is the DNA profile is approximately 510 billion times more likely if Margaret Murdoch contributed the profile than if an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed the profile. And what does that mean? Um, it means that the um, likelihood ratio is in support of that first scenario um, of Margaret Murdoch um, contributing the profile um, versus an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed the profile. Okay, let's move on to the next item in that exhibit, in State's Exhibit 459, the swabs from the exterior of items 9 and 10, which were these shotgun shells from the fever. Okay. Based on the comparisons you made, were any individuals included? This item was also interpreted as single source, and so the scenarios were set up the same way, with the person being compared contributed the profile versus an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed the profile. And that means there's one person contributing. Correct. Um, for Paul Murdaugh, the result of the comparison is the DNA profile is approximately 15 octillion times more likely if Paul Murdaugh contributed the profile than if an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed the profile. Um, just like earlier, it's in support of that first proposition set um, the DNA profile is approximately 15 octillion times more likely if Paul Murdoch contributed the profile than if an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed the profile. Let's move on to Exhibit 18, which are swabs from the feed room door. Prosecutor Goud hands the witness yet another evidence bag. Did you analyze um, those items? Um, yes, I did. Item 17, you see our laboratory number and then my initials on the seal and the date. And those are swabs from the feed room door. It's labeled as swabs from exterior doorknob of storage room door. And um, based on the comparisons you made, were any individuals included? For item 17, um, the comparison with Paul Murdaugh, um, the DNA profile was again interpreted as single source, so we're setting up the propositions in that same way. Um, the result is the DNA profile is approximately 15 octillion times more likely if Paul Murdoch contributed the profile than if an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed the profile. 15 octillion times more likely. Octillion has 27 zeros. Yes. So that's a pretty high statistical number there. Yes. Let's move on to Exhibit 256. Did you analyze item 256? which would be your items 15 and 16, swabs of blood from Cambo Benelli? Yes, item 15. Philip Barber rises to object, and Judge Clifton Newman asks the defense attorney the nature of the objection. Foundation, she described in the question as swabs of blood that has not been established. All right, response. Your Honor, item exhibit 256, item 15 and 16 have been admitted into evidence, even though I can't get my hands on them at the moment. And they were described as two swabs of suspected blood from receiver forward of the loading port from Camo Benelli Super Black Eagle 3 12 gauge stop. Your Honor, there'd be no objection if it was the question rephrased to say suspected blood. All right, restate the question, please. 
Prosecutor Savannah Goud continues by handing the witness another evidence bag. I believe I misspoke, and this would be State's Exhibit 259. And what is that item? Um, 259 contains sled items 15 and 16, which were swabs um, from the Camel Bonelli 12-gauge shotgun. And did you analyze those, those items? Yes, I did. Based on your comparisons that you made, were any individuals included? For which item? Let's start with item 15. Item 15 was interpreted as a mixture originating from two individuals. So for this comparison, we have the person being compared to the DNA profile and an unidentified, unrelated individual as the first scenario. And then the second scenario is two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. For the comparison to Margaret Murdoch, the result is the DNA profile is approximately 670 octillion times more likely if Margaret Murdoch and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals <clears throat> contributed to the mixture. Um, for the comparison to Richard Alexander Murdoch, the DNA profile is approximately 10 quintillion times more likely if Richard Alexander Murdoch and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. And so now, because we have a mixture where more than one person has been included as a contributor, we run the statistic for those individuals together to make sure that the DNA profile can be explained by a contribution of DNA from all of those individuals together. So the comparisons would now be um, Margaret Murdoch and Richard Alexander Murdoch contributed to the mixture versus two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. And the result of that comparison is the DNA profile is approximately 48 quintillion times more likely if Margaret Murdaugh and Richard Alexander Murdaugh contributed to the profile than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the profile. Okay, so we have three different, I guess, scenarios there? Three different comparisons being made. And is any one of those comparisons more likely than the other? How do you... Well, can you, can you pick out one of those comparisons as being more likely than the other comparisons? Um, each of those comparisons, um, the individuals who were being compared were included as um, contributors to the mixture. All right, let's talk about item 16, which is also a swab of suspected blood from the Camo Benelli. For item 16, um, the partial DNA profile developed was insufficient for interpretation. Prosecutor Goud again hands Agent Zapata an evidence bag. Let's move on to Exhibit 398. 398 contains our sled lab numbers um, 22.4 and 22.5. So item 22.4 is a reddish-brown debris swab from the right side of the receiver belonging to item 22. Correct. Based on the comparisons you made, were any individuals included on that item 22.4? Um, 22.4, the DNA profile was interpreted as a mixture originating from two individuals. For the comparison with Margaret Murdoch, the result was the DNA profile is approximately 
480 octillion times more likely if Margaret Murdaugh and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. What does that mean? Um, the result is in support of that first scenario um, of Margaret Murdaugh being included um, as a contributor to the mixture. Um, the likelihood ratio is um, 480 octillion times more. The DNA profile is approximately 480 octillion times more likely if Margaret Murdaugh and an identified unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. And then the next item, 22.5, is also a swab from that same shotgun from the left side. Yes. Based on the comparisons you made, were any individuals included? Item 22.5, um, the DNA profile was also interpreted as a mixture originating from two individuals. For the comparison with Margaret Murdaugh, the DNA profile is approximately 570 octillion times more likely if Margaret Murdaugh and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. 75 octillion times more likely that Margaret Murdaugh contributed to that mixture. The DNA profile is approximately 570 octillion times more likely if Margaret Murdaugh and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. And now this unidentified, unrelated individual is popping up, and what does that mean again? It's just the way that we make our calculation. We have to account for an opposing scenario um, to the person being compared, and then when there is a mixture, we need to account for the other individuals in that mixture when we're making our comparison. And so we use an unidentified, unrelated individual. Did you um, analyze some swabs from Paul Murdell's cell phone? I believe that would be your item 25.1. Yes. And what were the results of your analysis there? A partial DNA profile was developed due to the limited information obtained and the inability to determine the number of contributors. No further interpretation will be offered. In State's Exhibit 83 is some swabs from a Chevy Suburban. Savannah Goud hands Agent Zapata several small exhibits. The witness puts on a pair of latex gloves before examining the items. If you could focus on your item 56, the two swabs of, of suspected blood collecting from the steering wheel. Okay, I have 56. <laughs> and you analyzed item 56? Yes, I did. Swabs of blood collected from the steering wheel? They were submitted as two swabs of suspected blood collected from the steering wheel of the Chevy Suburban. And based on the comparisons you made, were any individuals included? For item 56, um, the DNA profile was interpreted as a mixture originating from two individuals. For the comparison to Margaret Murdaugh, the result is the DNA profile is approximately 35 times more likely if Margaret Murdaugh and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. For the comparison to Richard Alexander Murdaugh, the result is the DNA profile is approximately 100 quadrillion times more likely if Richard Alexander Murdaugh and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. 
And then just like before, because we had two individuals who were included individually as contributors to the mixture, we have to run the comparison of them together to make sure that the DNA profile can be explained by a contribution of DNA from all of those individuals. So for that comparison, the DNA profile is approximately 240 quintillion times more likely if Margaret Murdoch and Richard Alexander Murdoch contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. Um, there's also a statement that because um, that first comparison to Margaret Murdoch um, had a likelihood ratio result that is on the lower end of our scale, um, we want to put more emphasis on um, that result when comparing her as a contributor to the mixture. So the likelihood ratio for proposition set three, which was that comparison together, was calculated to confirm that the mixture could be explained by the contribution of DNA from all individuals listed under HP, which is that first scenario, due to the disparity in the individual likelihood ratios between the contributors for this item, it is recommended to put more weight on the results of Proposition Set 1, which is that comparison of Margaret Murdoch individually, rather than the results of Proposition Set 3, which is the comparison of them together, um, when considering Margaret Murdoch as a possible contributor to the mixture. This, this stuff's kind of confusing already, but I yeah. think that, that just got really confusing. <laughs> So if, I guess if you could sim kind of simplify that a little bit for us. Yes. So think about like two people singing the same song. If one person is singing really quietly and another person is singing loudly, when they're singing together, it'll sound really loud because that one person is already singing loudly by themselves. But that doesn't mean that the person who was singing quietly is suddenly singing very loudly. So we're trying to account for the difference in um, the weight of the result. And so it's just more accurate when considering that person who is a lower level um, or has a lower likelihood ratio um, to consider their individual likelihood ratio rather than the combined likelihood ratio. So what, based on all of that, what is the most likely we have there? It's not really that it's like a more likely scenario over another, it's just the result of that comparison that's being made. So just take into all that intricate. Yes. With that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we continue our review of the testimony of SLED agent Sarah Zapata. Also, check out the Ambie-nominated crime story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. 
Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.